Welcome to the Seat 14 Podcast, a different perspective on college basketball told by those who lived it. Join us as we bring you insider views, analysis, breakdowns, and predictions from one of the most storied programs in the country, from someone who saw it all from the end of the bench, the 14th seat. In association with the Field of 68 and alongside producer Jordan Barber, I'm your host, Todd Lanter, and this is Seat 14. Welcome into episode seven of the Seat 14 podcast presented by the Field of 68 and powered by Bet River Sportsbook and Budweiser King of Beers. Today is Thursday, December 30th. We are this close to 2022. I can't believe 2021 is gone. I can't believe 2020 is over. Uh, time hasn't been real since uh, COVID existed. Um, it's just Not got me all. Huh? Not at all. Nothing yeah, it's just so real for a while now. I'm just all the time. But anyway, uh, coming off high on cough syrup right now. That's true. I apologize for my, my raspy voice. Um, if you want to just uh, mute the rest of this episode, just listen to Jordan. Uh, that's fine by me. I, I apologize for the raspiness. If I, I had it my way, that would be every episode, by the way. I'm, yeah, I'm aware. I got my, my hot tea here. I got my cough drops. Um, I got my cough medicine. It's not COVID, though, thank God. Um, but it's just my yearly cold. Happens every, every time the weather starts to change. And we live in a state here in Kentucky where it's 70 one day and then 20 the next day. Sometimes it can be 70 and 20 in the same day. Um, yeah. So, you know, a very interesting uh, thing to have to deal with during a worldwide pandemic, but yeah. thankfully not. We're not that. telling Kentuckians anything they don't already know, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So we're coming off another win, another big win. Um, we started SEC play last night in Rupp Arena uh, where we hosted Missouri. It's, it's a little weird this year, though, because we got the one SEC game with Missouri, and then, and then tomorrow, Friday, we're plugging in uh, the High Point game, welcoming um, Tubby Smith back to town yeah. to retire Jersey. That's going to be a very cool thing. That's a, a coach that I grew up. That's about the time that I started to really get into basketball was when Tubby was here. Um, I have a lot of respect for him and what he was able to do here, so I'm really excited to see that, see him tomorrow. Um, yeah, Tubby, was, Tubby was well before my time. I honestly have no memory of really? – any of his teams. I mean, I was born in 99. True. So. That's true. You're a youngster. I did. I, I, that was that his teams were the time when I started to kind of turn the corner and, and was big, big into basketball and uh, soaking it all up. So he's the first yeah. coach. I, um, weird you know, timing, weird timing on the, on the tubby high point game. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't expect him to just throw it right in the middle of SEC play. I would expect that to be like near the start of the season. I mean, normally SEC play starts after the first of the year. So I guess we just needed to squeeze another game in uh, between Christmas and New Year's. So yeah. I guess these are unprecedented times for scheduling games. We, we got to figure out how we're going to get I – don't, I don't think we'll make up the Ohio State game, um, but we're probably going to – we're hopefully going to make up the Louisville game. You better so make that up. That would just feel wrong. We'll get it. We'll get it in there. We'll make it work. Um, but, you know, we're, we're probably not done with cancellations. There's probably going to be several other games this year that get canceled. Um, so uh, we might be able yeah. to stick. Did you um, and anyone that doesn't know that Cal came out and said, um, I don't know if any other programs doing that. I, I think Kentucky is one of the few who are doing it this way. But basically, they're only testing symptomatic players. So, so that I believe, I believe the NCAA announced that they were uh, going to allow that to be the case. And Kentucky jumped right on it because everybody's vaccinated and boosted. Um, they decided to go ahead and echo that sentiment, and that's how they're going to approach it. 
really there's, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird time because now the NCAA has decided not to hold forfeited games against teams that have to take a, or, or hold, they should, they're not categorizing a forfeited game as a loss. If it was due to COVID um, issues or protocols, um, which is great. Obviously you don't want to be that to be held against you, but um, you know, now we're going to have what, what we didn't want is we didn't want somebody to be, you know, have the sniffles and them not test them because they don't want them to be COVID positive, And then they end up having to forfeit the game. And so you have people kind of burying the, the risk of illness so that they don't have to take a loss. Um, so obviously this alleviates some of that issue, but you also have the CDC that changed the guidelines that said, you now only have to be non-symptomatic for five days before you can come out of quarantine. And then if you, uh, even if you've tested negative or something, you're supposed to still wear a mask for an additional five days. I'm going to tell you something right now. We are not going to have basketball teams following the rule of players wearing a mask five days after being cleared on the court in a basketball game. It's just not going to happen. So hopefully it doesn't, yeah, hopefully we don't get into the weeds and have any issues with that or any, further outbreaks, but again, it's unprecedented. The NCAA is doing their best. Each individual school is doing their best. Um, the conferences are doing their best. I just hope that um, we're able to continue to push forward this season um, and and everybody stays healthy and yeah. well, we have postseason as well. Um, our, our bosses, uh, Rob and Jeff, have been very critical of um, NCAA President Mark Emmert on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting to talk to them about it, like exactly what they feel. But I, th- and there, from what I can gather from their standpoint, there's been a lack of leadership, if anything. Well, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that they've done the most they can do or handled it properly, but I'm saying they're we're at least doing something. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a medical degree. You don't have a medical degree. I'm not going to sit here and talk about what I think is the right thing to do and how to handle this because I realize how ignorant I sound trying to pretend like I know. So uh, I just imagine that they're doing their due diligence and, um, and, you know, doing what they can to make sure that uh, everybody's healthy and that we're able to have a basketball season. Cause I promise you one thing they don't want, they don't want to cancel the postseason either. They don't want games missed. It's not good for the brand. Um, Obviously it's not good um, to, to, you know, we had to pull the plug on the sec tournament two years ago. Um, and obviously it affected everything. So, you know, I want to have a madness. I want to have an SEC tournament. I want a reason to go down to Tampa in March. Um, so I hope everybody does their part um, to, to stay healthy. Um, so what are we going to get into today? We got the boy D will bullet County represent. That's right. That's right. D wills over in Spain. We're keeping him up late. Once again, that's the one tough thing about doing these podcasts, the way we're having to do it. Um, you know, Normally we want to release this on Thursday mornings. Last night, Kentucky played late on Wednesday night. So we obviously don't have time to record and edit and release it in time um, to be as effective as we want and not keep you up all night uh, doing your, doing your part and helping with the editing and all that. But also we can't get a guest uh, that if they're over in Europe, we can't have uh, the the guys come on uh, when it's not conducive to their schedule as well. So he's staying up late to hop on with us tonight. Um, so we can get this episode out prior to the high point game on Friday. And then we'll have multiple games to talk about next week when we're back in person after you're done traveling for the holidays. And we're back in our new studio next week, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we got a couple new additions to the way we're going to do things here so we can help put out better content. And uh, again, this is a learning curve for me. I've never done anything podcast related. Neither of you. 
Um, so we're trying to have fun with it and uh, and learn and figure things out. We're only seven episodes seven episodes in, if I can speak correctly. Um, so we're gonna have real fun, baby. Do what? It's about to get real fun. It's about to get real fun. We got we got the the cameras, we got the set, we got the lights and the mics and all the all the jazz and uh, and then we can uh, hopefully present the content in uh, in a much cooler way for everybody uh, that wants to watch or listen or whatever. So. Um, thank you for the support. Seven episodes in here. Um, we're just trying to figure this out one day at a time, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. Couldn't do it without you guys. Couldn't do it without you either, buddy. Good job, Todd. Appreciate that. Even though I'm half half valuable today with my uh, with my sore throat. But I got my hot tea. I'm good. That's all I need. I hate you. Right. <laughs> I got my hot tea. And I guess what else I got? Budweiser. Hey. Shout out. No free nice. shout-outs. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our first break, and we will come back with Derek Willis, and then uh, you and I are going to dive into kind of where the Cats stand statistically and, uh, and what we can expect uh, moving into SEC play. So we're going to hear from Bet Rivers, and we will be right back. You're listening to C14. Let me take a second to tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. What sets them apart, though, is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-G-A-M-B-L-E-R. Welcome back to Seat 14. Joining us now, uh, Kentucky's own Kentucky boy. Played with me a couple years at UK um, before continuing his professional career over in Spain. Derek Willis. Derek, man, thanks for taking the time. Welcome into Seat 14. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, bud. I hope you had a good Christmas. Um, I know you've got a lot of travel and he was back. We tried to get him in person when he was in in Lexington to come catch the the Cats game. I think he was here to see the North Florida game, and uh, we just couldn't get the schedule right. So uh, we're going to do this one on Zoom. When he comes back in the offseason, we'll have him in in person. Uh, but it was great to see you, man. Good to see you're doing well um, and the whole family and everybody. Uh, very, very cool. Um, what you've been doing overseas. Spain is is a fun place to play, I have to imagine, man. How are you liking it over there? I mean, it's great. It's competitive, and, you know, every night's a, it's a war. So, um you know, right now we're going through the whole COVID thing with the league. Every team's having to cancel, reschedule things. So, uh, you know, just kind of weathering the storm with that. Yeah, unfortunately, that's something we're dealing with all over the world right now. Kentucky's had um, – I know you you can't follow it as closely as you'd like to, being on a different time zone and everything, but Kentucky's had two games, the last two games, um, before uh, the Missouri game where we just kicked off the conference season um, last night. But the last two games against North Carolina and Western Kentucky were supposed to be against Ohio State and Louisville. Um, both of those two games got canceled because of COVID in those programs. So we were able to to get the Tar Heels and the Hilltoppers to step in and take on those games for us. So we're hoping that the Cats can get those games rescheduled. Um, obviously, you know how how the rivalry runs deep between Louisville and Kentucky. So we're hoping we can get that game um, back on the books. But um, that's going to be it's going to be interesting because it's, it's, you know, this is something that nobody's had to deal with um, until, I mean, we didn't, no one knows how to, how to, how to handle this. It's something that's worldwide. Um, so, you know, everybody's doing their part uh, to try to figure it out, but yeah, it's, it's, you were telling us off air um, how overseas is handling it in different parts of Europe. Um, so at least you're a little bit more uh, under control there in, 
in Spain. That where where was it? You said they will they'll just stop you and ask you for a vaccine card. I know it it was in Austria and Germany. I think they've kind of had similar like laws and um, mm-hmm. like similar mandates as far as you know entering places with the you know your vaccination um, card or uh, over here mm-hmm. they have a QR code so they just scan you in. It has all your information, but um, for right now, Spain's kind of uh, you know telling you go home at earlier times, and uh, you know you still enter a restaurant, you show your COVID card, and that's really been about it. Yeah, we we've had some pretty lax rules um, in the states as far as that goes. They're not going around checking like that, but maybe they should be. Obviously, we're in another surge, but I don't have a medical degree. You don't have a medical degree, so I'm not going to pretend to know the answers. I'm just glad everybody's trying to do their part to stay safe. I know you're, you've got some teammates struggling with illness right now. So prayers out for them and their families. Um, hope everybody stays safe. So anyway, um, have you all had any games canceled? Yeah. So we had a, we had a big game against uh, Real Madrid, which is a EuroLeague team over here. Um, really good team in Europe. Uh, one of the best. And uh, they ended up, we had to reschedule their team got COVID mm. and uh, then now it's like our team has COVID. So, uh, you know, we can't really, figure yeah. out a date so um yep and then i think this game this weekend now will probably get canceled as well because we've had some uh we had a couple of new code cases come up so you know kind of is what it is it's tough to try to work around but again everybody's dealing with it and hopefully we'll we'll get it fixed and get it behind us it's just uh you know it's unprecedented it's it's tough um so jordan i know you want to jump in here um you've been waiting to talk to Derek for a while we got to have Derek on the espn uh, post game show for that game when he was in town for again I think we would think it was North Florida um, and we've been trying to get him on here so Jordan can talk to you about uh, his theories on the uh, the whole Kentucky boy thing um, we got Dante Allen on this team that uh, kind of stepped in and earned some minutes on last year's squad um, he's been struggling to find uh, how he fits in with this roster um, and I know Jordan wanted to dive in a little bit on that you want to take it away uh, yeah you know so I'd say recently like in the past six seven years Derek it's probably you Dante and D-Hawk Dominique Hawkins who are you know Kentucky boys who actually were capable of coming in and, and getting some serious run actually getting some minutes was that a shot um, was that a shot at you <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm just kidding go ahead come on man you know I wouldn't come at you like that I, I have no history of taking that shots at you on this show that we're good enough to actually play. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but Derek, I just want to know, like, um, you know, you've been you've been through that ringer. You you played your you played your years where you you weren't really getting much clock, and then you became an integral part of the rotation. So I'm just curious, from your point of view, what's the key? What's the key to getting you know on Cal's good side and really getting on the court? Um. So like, I think in like the instance like where I messed up my first couple of years where I wasn't getting really uh, any playing time, I'd get basically like the, you know, you're up 30, you get in at the end of the game, that type of thing um, to where I had a more significant role was um, I, uh, I had an opportunity junior year and just took it. Um, I mean, my first two years, I think I kind of had like a, um, like a bad mindset in the sense of like, I didn't know if I belonged at Kentucky where I was coming from being, you know, the best player, one of the best players in the state of Kentucky as a high school uh, student. And then, you know, you go to Kentucky, you're, you're there with the best players in the nation. And I didn't know if uh, I could do it. So um, I think in that sense, I didn't have the confidence to to really 
have a role my freshman year and then sophomore year we and we loaded up even more and uh it just was kind of um it kind of weighed on me and I didn't really know how to deal with it so I uh you know didn't spend as much time in the gym as I probably should have and I didn't really work on the things I think I needed to to work on to you know even give me that opportunity and have like the coaches um you know put me out there in those in those situations but when junior year came around I was like you know it might as well be now or never and uh you know I had opportunity and took it and then it was it was uh you know all uphill from there that's a that's a phenomenal answer because that's I mean that's spot on you could see that change in your mindset as well um you know those first couple years you're making the adjustment from being a high school player like you said you didn't have to sit in a stance for 30 seconds you didn't have to you know you could take plays off and you were fine because you were that much more athletically gifted and talented than your competition. And then you get to a school like this where you got to earn your time day in and day out and put that extra work in. And, uh, you know, when he did, when he flipped that mindset, man, it was, it was unbelievable to watch because he was coming in at night, getting shots up, um, you know, implementing new moves and, and just kind of approaching the game in a much different, more respectable way. Like you respect, you, you earned your respect for the game. And uh, I think that's where your career really took off. And it was it was very noticeable um, in the way that you were performing, in the way that you uplifted your teammates, um, the way that you were an extension of the coaching staff on the floor, which I like to say a lot because we have such turnover here at Kentucky that a lot of people don't really know how they want to be or how to be coached by Cal. He just has a, a different, unique way of doing things. And now that you'd been here a couple of years coming into your junior year, when you were called on to step up and play that role, you were you knew how to how to how to do that, how to, how to coach those other guys, your teammates and step in and do what Cal needed. Um, and it was, it was great to watch because it just, you know, we knew you had it the whole time and we saw it in practice every day, but the fan base and the competition didn't necessarily know what you were capable of until you went out there and showed them. Um, and it propelled you into one hell of a professional career. So congratulations. And seriously, wow. the, your, your change in mindset was, was, was really, really cool to see, man. Yeah, speaking of the fan base Derek we know the fans are hard here you know they're one of the most active fan bases on social media we've seen with Dante it's kind of the inverse um it's almost like they support him unconditionally like mm -hmm. there's no there's nothing that he could do wrong I I want to know in your opinion like did you experience that where the fans were putting like an inverse sense of pressure on you it wasn't like you couldn't make a or It wasn't like you could um, get away with anything, but, you know, being from Kentucky and having that blue blood, they, they want to see you succeed. Do you think that creates a totally different layer of pressure on the kid? Um, I think so, because I mean, you have a, you already have that sense of pride going to Kentucky as a Kentucky kid and you don't, you don't want, you I mean, you want to play and, uh, you know, do good while you're there. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely felt pressure for sure when my time was there. And, you know, you play in a big team and, and, you know, you don't perform or, you know, hold up the standards. And then you go on Twitter, like every guy goes on Twitter after the games or Instagram and they just, you know, you had a good game. It's your, your God. If you didn't, then, you know, you feel like the most worthless person in the world. And um, so it's like, it's just the good and bad. But um, I think for me, more than, more than not, like a lot of my, my like feedback was, was good. I mean, definitely had the nights where, you know, it was, wasn't, but, um, you know, I just kind of 
ran with that. And whenever I play, I try to have like um, a little bit more uh, sense of um, just sense of pride on being uh, being out in Rep Arena. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because today's you know athlete, and when I say today, I mean like in this decade, this decade. <clears throat> excuse me, I am dealing with a throat issue, hence the hot tea right now. Um, not COVID though, thank God. So um, the 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 biggest thing I think that that people don't really realize is how much that social media stuff affects kids these days. I mean, you're still you're still 18, 19, 20 years old, and the common, you know, armchair quarterback that doesn't even have to put their name or photo on their profile page can have direct access to you to run their mouth about why they think that you're X, Y, or Z and, and give their thoughts on that. And it's, it's, it can be heavy. I mean, you know, we had a couple of teammates at UK that, that I, I know you'll recall where, um, you know, things were said that it's completely unfair criticism and, um, you know, people just treating, kids wrongly because they can and they don't have to take responsibility for it and it's a whole nother added aspect that uh you know the generation before us didn't have to deal with um but you're so accessible nowadays because of the online presence and things so it becomes heavy to deal with if you're you know guys you, you want to go on there and see it when you're doing well because you want the the praise and the you know build yourself up and um you know feel good about your performance but there's the negative side that comes with that as well um, so, you know, one of Cal's lessons and, and that he preached to us pretty often was, um, you know, stay even kill. We don't, we don't want the highs to be too high or the lows to be too low, um, because you got to come out the next day and perform, um, regardless of what you're, what you did last night. Um, and I heard, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo do, a, a interview during the finals this past year, um, where he made reference to that. It's a really cool video. I'll put the uh, link in the show notes so everybody can check it out. But that mindset of just kind of staying even kill, like what you did yesterday doesn't matter for good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, you have to have that right mindset going into the practice facility and approaching that next game. But with that said, I say all that to say this guys that are coming off the bench, especially in your first couple of years, your leash is much, much shorter than some of those starters is right. And Cal has this way of coaching where he wants you to do two or three things really well. And if you can do those two or three things really well, you can earn your time on the floor. You're going to contribute to the team in the best positive way to give us, the best chance of winning. And that's what he wants to see out of you. But with that shorter leash, um, you know, a guy that's as talented as yourself and can score at all three levels and is capable of doing all these things. Um, you're kind of confined to that, that smaller role in your first couple of years until you can prove that you're, that you're able to expand your game and be an asset in those other areas. So that's another thing that, um, you know, I knew what Derek was capable of because I saw him do it every day in practice, but the fan base and the coaching staff want him to be good at, what that team needs him to be good at when he's on the floor. And uh, that, that can translate into, you know, a very short, short leash. Um, if you come out there and can't get into the flow of the game pretty quick. So that is a lot of pressure that I witnessed, um, you know, seeing guys deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and it goes on, you know, it goes on across the country. That's not something that's unique to the university of Kentucky. It's every player across the country that deals with that and trying to kind of find their niche to find their role. What is it that they do well enough to earn those minutes? And obviously, as your career, you know, as you continue to work and put put in the time, uh, those things that make you who you are as a basketball player start to come out and and you show through. And that and obviously that's what happened with you. And, um, you know, again, you've developed a game that not only worked for you in college, but is, has elevated you in a professional career that's, um, you, you know, you're able to play the way that you're comfortable playing, which is much different than it looked five or six years ago. Um, and right. especially and with the, the new European rules. So, um, 
that just, uh, you know, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but a lot of that goes into um, your approach to the game and how you have to deal with those things as they come. It's, it's uh, a lot of respect to the way that you've handled it. Derek, I'm curious, what did you, in either you were told by, you know, a scout or an analyst of some sort, or you just kind of realized yourself, what did you have to work on to make that transition um, from college to professional? Like, what did you notice about yourself that you had to change to start making a living at the next level? So for me, like, um, I think scratching like the G League year, because I don't like the G League is just like it's the G League, but um, that's not to hate on or anything. I think it's been a great opportunity for guys this year. And it was a great opportunity for me when I was there. But um, but like in for Europe, where I feel like my market value is really good right now, is that like everything I learned from Kentucky has translated perfect over there because mm. most teams are like, it's, it's, it's the same, like just do like three or four things of like great. And like, you're just going to, you're going to make as much money as you want over here. And that in a very simple standpoint is basically like from somebody like for me playing the four, um, okay. From be a 50, 40, 90 guy, you can do that. You'll make a lot of money and mm. if you can defend and rebound. You can get like four or five rebounds a game and uh, not turn the ball over and not get, not let your guy have like a 20 ball in your head every night and you'd be, you'd be great over here. So um, I think in that sense too, it's also helped me um, change my game as well from like being in like college. Okay. Coach Cal is telling me, all right, you're going to shoot threes. Uh, you're going to have one dribble pull-ups and that's pretty much it as far as your offensive game goes. And at the time I was like, it sounded crazy to me, but it kind of makes sense like leaving college too. I didn't really get it till later down the road, but um, I think that was ultimately just to help me. But now it's like, okay, in Europe now teams, they, they do their research on you They're I think they're even more detailed in Europe and um, you know, okay, Derek's a pick and pop guy. Okay. Well, we're just going to switch with them. Okay. Now what's he going to do? All right. So now I have to have a post game. Now. So now I play, the, I play inside more. I do out on the three point line now. I know. And uh, uh, so it's just like every year I've been trying to, um, you know, add something in that sense. Okay, Derek did this. He was doing this really good this year. Okay, this season now he's, you know, we can't let him get go out and transition. You got it's always you got to add something over here. You gotta you gotta keep expanding your game, or you ain't gonna have a job at the end absolutely. Of the day. Well, obviously you've done a great job of doing that, and you're a scoring threat at every pretty much everywhere on the floor. Um, so what is it? Because you brought it up, I want to go with that for a second. What is it that you see the most defensively? Are they switching on you one through five? I mean, they. Is, are they usually switching off of ball screens? Are they trying to get you to play with your back to the basket? What are they What are they trying to force you into? Yeah, so, like, the coverage over here in Europe is basically, like, guys will – they'll hedge. They'll hedge straight mm-hmm. out. Um, like, for going in the game, like, they won't play me as, like, a uh, like a flat guy. Like, they, mm-hmm. they like, uh, they'll show flat. They don't – because you'll, you'll just get killed. Yeah. Um, uh, or they'll just switch. But yeah, basically that's just the coverage. Either you they got a show on you or they they switch. And then mm-hmm. either you're gonna the guard's gonna take his advantage with the big or they're mm-hmm. just gonna kick it into you inside. And um like the thing about over here in Europe is that the guy, the big can just be in the paint the whole the whole game. So you know you're not gonna 
hardly ever play a one-on-one switch in the post. Like you're going to, you're going to spin into somebody, you're going to spin into other big guys. So hmm. you got to just really figure out how to utilize the space, and, you know, get to what you want to get to. So you're saying because there's no defense of three seconds, they'll just park the weak side help right in the center of the paint. And you're going to put yourself in a double team situation. If you go middle, is that what you're yeah, saying? So, so basically like if they switch with you, okay, I roll into the post, they kick it into me. So the guard is going to, the guard is going to play me to where I can't even go to the middle. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to spin baseline or go baseline. Well, when I do that, the big's just going to, he's just going to meet yeah. me there. And so you're really just going to have to either, you know, kick it back out to somebody and hope on the reverse side, they can, they can get to something or, you know, mm-hmm. you're just going to have to, uh, you know, get get to your move real quick in the post. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's crazy how that one rule change in the NBA, you know, no, no defensive three just allows offense to explode. You know, and, and I get why they do it. They want their product mm-hmm. to be attractive. They want people to be obsessed with all the ISO scores and the guys who get the opportunity to dunk on help defenders who are having to slide down and try right. and recover, you know. Uh, it, it's an entirely different game, man. And, like, you're – I mean, I know this is what you're getting at, but the way that the NBA's approached it is just that. They want that Showtime stuff. And I believe what Lucas said, and, uh, Derek, we talked with Alex Portris about this uh, a week or two ago. Um, where uh, Luca was was uh, interviewed and he said something along the lines of it's so much more difficult to score overseas than it is in the NBA. And Alex reiterated that. I assume you'll say the same. Hundred percent. There's no. It's like not even like the. It's not even the same. Like in when I would come back and play in the summer league after being over here in Europe, I mm-hmm. felt like I had like so much room to just do whatever. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was like, how is this even allowed? Like it's it's crazy. That's wild. Go ahead, Jordan. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I didn't. I was just saying the freedom is just insane. Like, you know, you're used to playing these big burly dudes in Europe who are going to knock your head off as soon as you get into the lane. But the NBA is just to totally, totally different kind of more like kind of more showtimey, like dramatic league. You know, I I really mm-hmm. respect. I, I respect guys who are able to were able to go over overseas and and really carve out a name for themselves i'll i'll say this like the the thing that we kind of like and i just like talking to some guys last year we were saying like you know there's like every, a lot of people can play in the nba like that's mm-hmm. without a without a question but like a lot of guys in the nba can't play over here in europe yeah and you know it's just you can't really it's it's hard to really talk about, but I mean, if you was to, to sit down and watch a game, you would you would just see, and it, it it almost would seem boring. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, just you just have to watch, and you'll know. <laughs> yeah, I've I've watched a couple of yours and uh, and some of Alex's, and um, even I watched one of Aaron's a couple of weeks back or, or last year. I mean, um, it's it's just it, the way that you have to approach like the schematics of. The way, like the way we're used to seeing offense work effectively at the collegiate or the professional level in the Americas, does not at all. It can't work there. It literally, it can't work because it, it, there's, like you said, there's someone standing right there. Like it's it, the things that we do to move the uh, the defense into a position to allow us to have an easier access to the basket here, mm-hmm. never will work there. And so I'm fascinated, you know, watching how offenses are. Uh, take a different approach to trying to score the basketball. And a lot of times it's one of the, it's those quick hits. It's that, like you said, if you get the ball with your back to the basket on the, on the block, you pretty much have to get to your move immediately. 
Um, you don't yeah. see that, like, you know, the, like what Dakari did for us in 2015 with that, like, you know, two bump dribbles and then getting into a jump hook or something. It's much more of a quick move. Right. Right. Yeah. Are, are there like the guys they're, they're going to be, there, they're going to come because they know yeah. they have the, there's a disadvantage there. So yeah, it's just, it's, you know, you gotta do it. It's very cool to watch and, and how people have to adapt. I'm curious. I'm, I'll, I'll look this up and, and talk about it in the, in the third segment after we let you go. But I'm curious what the, uh, how quick shots actually get off in comparison to, to the NBA in, in EuroLeague. Cause I bet it's, I bet it's faster. In the, in the EuroLeague than the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Depending on like what kind of team and how they, how they play. I mean, you got teams that play like, I would say more faster, like they want to put up, you know, 85, 90 points a game. And you got teams like my team, like we, every possessions of war, like you're going to, okay, you got to, you're going to play, 20 seconds of, uh, you know, hard defense. Okay. And then you're going to go down and we're going to come run a play and run you through our stuff. And that's just kind of how my team is this year. So um, just, it's just really how the coach wants to run his team too at the end of the day. Absolutely. One more question about Europe and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on. But um, do you, do, do you see, you know, we had, when, when I was at Kentucky with you, I was part of the scout team that Robes would teach, the uh, opposing team's offense too. So we could run it against you guys in practice and things. Do you do that as much in Europe? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think it's more like for us, it's more video stuff this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then it's like a light, like walkthrough just to run through maybe yeah. some sets that either they just put in or they run a lot just to go over it. But it's very, it's very quick. I mean, the video, our video sessions are like super long, like 30 minutes to, 40 minutes you know, yeah so that's really the big hitter there i feel like we put a lot of emphasis in college on uh you know learning the offenses of the opposition so we can know when that play comes and it just feels a lot more like in europe it feels a lot more like we're going to play you the way we want to and make you adapt to us um which i, I you know i admire it's very, very cool but um that's just me being a basketball junkie i'm just curious so anyway so kentucky is uh we got high point coming back here um, you grew up in Kentucky as well. You watched the teams that Tubby had. We're retiring his jersey uh, tomorrow at Rupp Arena. Um, so that's going to be a cool moment. And then we kick off. Um, well, we actually we had the one SEC game against Missouri. Then they're throwing this high point game in there. And then we get into uh, full swing with um, the SEC starting after the new year where they go down to uh, LSU and we're, we're in the thick of it. So um, the last thing I want to talk to you about before we let you go, and I know it's late there and you got to get some rest. Um, but how big of a difference out of, in your opinion and in, you know, your experiences, uh, with camp Cal, how big of a, of a turning point is that for these teams? And the reason I ask is because we were in a unique position with our team where we had, you know, your freshman year, we were young, um, as, as most Kentucky teams are your sophomore year when we, when we brought in. Um, you know, Carl and Trey and those guys, we had Alex and Willie who were a little bit older, Aaron and Andrew back on their second year. Um, so we had a little bit of, of age in the locker room. Um, this team's got three, four transfers, uh, three of which are, are really kind of leading the, uh, the, the push for, for turning the corner here um, in Kellen Grady, who came from Davidson, who had a 2000 point score at Davidson. Um, and then obviously Oscar from West Virginia and then Severe Wheeler who came from Georgia. Um, all three of those guys are, are elders, if you will, um, and have been, you know, been through SEC play, been through, or I'm sorry, been through conference play. 
played postseason games. Um, and they're able to kind of influence the younger guys like Tati and, and those that haven't been through this process. And you, you and I know both how, uh, camp Cal affected us. I mean, we're going from all of a sudden there's no class anymore. And you're getting a little bit of a glimpse of what your professional career might look like if basketball is all you eat, sleep and breathe. And they're doing two days and everything, but how big of a difference do you think that that camp Cal situation makes over that two week span around Christmas time at preparing us for going into the sec? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, like you said, two weeks, I mean, you're basically, you know, morning practice, uh, you know, late practice sleep and, you know, you have your little meal at cows and get your rest. And, um, it's kind of nice that you just focus in on just the game and you don't got to worry about school and, um, you know, you're with the, you're with the team all the time and, you know, you just kind of get your mind right for that, uh, postseason push. And, you know, that's where I think, um, with our, with our years being there, I think that's, that was really good for our team. You know, you kind of bond a little bit more with guys cause you're, you know, together the whole day and, um, you know, you just work on things you need to work on. And, um, I think that's really where, uh, you know, the season is, um, the expectations, you know, get met depending on, you know, Camp Cal in a way. I think the same. I think I think a biggest part is, you know, Cal likes to kind of pass the reins along to the team as the season uh, mm. on, and uh, that this is kind of the time period where that starts to happen. You have guys start to elevate themselves and and come out, you know, step out as leaders, um, and you learn a little bit. Like I, I again, I keep using the reference the extension of the coaching staff, but you learn, um, you know, who's gonna who's gonna kind of hold their teammates accountable, and everybody starts to buy in around this time. Um, so it's, we're hoping that that's what's happening with this team after a 30 point win over North Carolina, 35 point win over uh, Western Kentucky, who are both talented. And then, uh, and then starting off the SEC play against Missouri pretty well last night um, with another almost 30 point, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> another almost 30 point win. Um, I think we're on the right trajectory. Um, and it looks like we have turned that corner. It looks like Camp Cal did it uh, once again. Um, I just, I think there's a lot to be said about having the older guys in that locker room. Um, especially once we get to the postseason. So we're excited to see what the Cats can do. But I want to thank you for taking some time out of your night and stopping by and talking with us. Um, it was great to see you and the family last weekend or two weeks ago uh, before the holidays. I'm glad you made it back safe. I hope Keely, Keely makes it in safe um, once she makes the trip after the holidays. And uh, I'd love to have you in person. Um, we're almost done with the studio that we're building in my basement. Um, and we'll be able to all kind of hang out and uh, – you know, have a drink and, and, and shoot the shit. So I'm looking forward to seeing you, man. And uh, I'll keep my eye on you for what you're doing the rest of the year. Uh, good luck. Stay healthy. Love you. Appreciate you. And I'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, Love you, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. All. We want to take a moment to tell you about our friends over at Liquid IV. Liquid IV's hydration multiplier is a great tasting daily electrolyte drink mix that utilizes the breakthrough science of cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the bloodstream faster and more efficiently than water alone. Just add the electrolyte powder to your water and let CTT do the rest. With three times the electrolytes of sports drinks, as well as five essential vitamins, Liquid IV comes in convenient, travel-friendly, single-serving packets. It is non-GMO with no artificial ingredients and comes in eight delicious flavors, including lemon-lime, pina colada, watermelon, passion fruit, guava, acai berry, apple pie, and my personal favorite, strawberry. So head on over to liquidiv.com. That's liquid-iv.com and plug in code SEAT14 at checkout to enjoy 25% off of your order. Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. Well, that was awesome. Uh, Derek is, uh, is over there absolutely bawling. Um, so it's good for him to take, or very thankful for him. We're thankful for him to have taken a second to, to sit down with us tonight. Um, even though people, wait, huh? 
Absolutely. Yeah, he's the man. All right. So let's let's dive in a little bit from a statistical standpoint on where the cats stand right now. Um all right. Kellen Grady coming off of a spectacular performance both the last week, both games last week. Um, obviously severe what he did against North Carolina and Vegas was um unbelievable. And then uh and Oscar, those are the three guys I've really uh, kind of honed in on um just because of what they're doing. It's unbelievable. I mean, severe, severe will pass Tyler Ulis at the 32 game mark this season in the season assist record if he continues at the pace that he's at right now. That's assuming he averages about seven a game. He, yeah, he's second in the country in assists, um, which, by the way, is as many as Davion had last year throughout the entire season. Man, so, last year feels like an aberration, dude. Yeah, actually, that is before the Missouri game. That number was for before the Missouri game. So 11 games in, or wait, are we nine and we're nine and two? Nine now? and two. Nine and two. Nine, we're 10 and two now. So at oh. nine and two, before the Missouri game, Severe had more assists. He's second in the country, had more assists than Davion had throughout the whole year last year. And again, he'll pass Tyler um, at the 32 game mark if he stays on pace. Oscar, are you ready for this? Oscar has 170 rebounds through the first 11 games. So also prior to the Missouri game, 170 rebounds, which is more than anyone on the roster had all of last season. The whole season, he's already there. Um, he's leading the country in total rebounds, total rebounds per game. Offensive rebounds. He's fifth in defensive rebounds. Total. Re he's leading the country in total rebounding percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, defensive rebounding percentage. And here, this is crazy. He's third in win shares per 40 minutes, which is like basically the value that any individual player can contribute to a win. So it's at like three point or point three nine or something, which means basically just to put things in perspective, that means that we, we are pretty much like 40% we have like a 40 winning with any other four people on the floor with him. Yeah. That's how much of a contributing factor he's making his ability to alter the game and to make his teammates that much better is remarkable. I mean, I bet Jordan didn't have more than a 0.39 uh, win share. I mean, that's insane. Like he's that much, he's, he's got that much value. Um, and I think if the, if the season ended today, he is probably the player of the year just because of how much value he's had. Yeah, I can't imagine how he couldn't be simply for the sake of, I mean, other other guys are generally on more loaded teams like the Duke guys and the Gonzaga guys. Without Oscar, we've said it before this year, anyone who disagrees, quite frankly, doesn't know what they're talking about. This team would be significantly worse off without him on the roster. Well, again, and I've, I've made reference to this in every episode um, all season long, but he plays the game so much different than everybody else on the roster. So even when we have guys like Jacob Toppin coming in um, and, and, and all, the, all the rest of the bench, any, any of those guys that come in, they offer such a different look um, than Oscar does, and he's just so good at what he does. Well, I mean, the, the thing it, is, Todd, guys, guys don't offer Oscar's look hardly at all anymore throughout exactly. – Definitely not in the NBA. I can think of maybe like DeMontis Sabonis is kind of a similar type of player, but I mean, definitely not in the NBA and rarely in college basketball do you have guys anymore who are offering that kind of look, that like mid-90s post player that Oscar really is. I mean, his favorite, he wears 34 because of Hakeem Olajuwon, and it's mm -hmm. obvious. 
I mean, he's he's doing unbelievable things. He's 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 De- he's Dennis Rodman too. I mean, he's his mm-hmm. his ability to just go get the ball with two hands and play so strong. So he plays bigger than he is, and he's and he's huge. Um, so he's he's just he's been he's been remarkable. I mean, last night just to just to put things in perspective with the Missouri game, right? They had they Missouri had two guys in double digits. Both of them came off the bench. We held every starter to single digits. Kentucky had four starters in double digits and everybody scored that played except for Dante Allen. Um, but everybody else scored. Everybody else at least had a field goal. We had um, 11, 17, 14, 11, eight, two, four, two, five, and seven. Um, so just wide range of scoring. Um, again, obviously Oscar with another 20 rebound outing. Um, even Keon had, I know even Dude Keon had sneezes and gets 20 rebounds. It's unreal. It's unreal. And and Keon coming in and contributing with another nine. I mean, Oscar's out rebounding teams by himself. He's literally out rebounding teams by himself. They had yeah. a they had uh uh let's see here. Well, it's not on that screen, but they but he's he's out rebounded other teams several times. He's out rebounded them. He's had more offensive rebounds than other teams have had offensive rebounds. Um just just unbelievable his ability to cover so much area on the floor um and then again you know we had a we had nine assists from severe um just we're spreading the love across the entire roster and across the lineup and offering so many different uh threats it's just this team's finally catching their stride and i know you wanted to talk about the ken palm situation so i'll let you take that away but the the way that we're um you know coming in on a nightly basis and elevating ourselves in every category and not taking any steps backwards is what's going to be the difference makers with conference play. Yeah. And I think um, I want to just to reiterate something you said, I, you mentioned that this team has already surpassed or Savir alone has more assists than our de facto point guard had last year through Mm -hmm. how many games have we played? 12, 25, Oh, oh, we've played – We this is – so that stat was that, from before. That was, yeah. So okay. he assists in 11 games than Davion had in 25 games. Yeah. So I think that more than anything, that tells me this is a team, and I think when you watch it, you notice, the, you notice this as well. This is a team that is not going to struggle creating shots for each other. They are going to get each other involved. I would much rather die on that hill versus what we had going on last year where we had an abundance of ISO scoring. And you do mm-hmm. need both. You need a guy who can go get you a bucket late in the shot clock in a close game that's not necessarily a good shot, but he's just going to make it because he's a hooper. You need mm-hmm. that. You absolutely need that. But for my money, give me the team that will get each other involved first. Obviously, you want to have both. But for my money, give me the team that's going to get each other involved first and foremost. And when you got a point guard like Savir, it's just contagious. It's going to happen. Yeah, he's doing a great job running our team and getting us into sets that we're that we're effectively scoring in. He does a great job, and I said this from the beginning of the season. He's not going to give he's not going to give key on the ball at thirty five feet from the basket, right? He's could, he's putting guys in a position to be successful. He's not hanging them out to dry, um, and then they're delivering for him, and that's why you see his assists yeah. uh, climb. They have. Yeah. Um, quick side note about that Missouri game. Dude, they, I texted you this when I was watching it, but 
I felt like that team was probably the ugliest jump shooting team that I've watched <laughs> in a long time. It and the stats back, I mean, I'm talking one-handed push shots. Like mm-hmm. they looked like they had a lot of dudes who were not comfortable shooting threes, but they were still insisting on doing so. Um, <laughs> and just to reiterate that point, this is crazy. They are 300 out of 358 teams. They are number 355 in the country in three point percentage. That is ridiculously bad. (laughs) That felt like us last year. All right. Give me the Kim Palm. Okay. So this is, again, this is what I say about the whole ISO scoring situation. This is a team that, in my opinion, only struggles to create their own shots. I see this team sharing the ball at, at an astonishing rate, really. So we're back. I had a few technical difficulties. Like I said, this team is doing well um, creating shots for each other. What I do think they lack is a guy who can get their own bucket. And we saw that when we were forcing it to Oscar in the Missouri game. It's a good thing that we managed to still win, but he just wasn't feeling it. His touch was off that night. and. I think what I noticed is that when you don't have that go-to post scorer like Oscar, the team really struggles to create their own shot in an efficient and effective way. That is this team can jack up long twos all day, but I don't see very many guys on the roster besides Oscar who can, who you can dump the ball to and they'll just go get you a bucket. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? Yeah, you're hundred percent right. I mean, I think we've been um, starting to find the best usage for a guy like Kellen Grady, for that reason, um, we have I, the eye test tells you that um, in the past we've struggled with stagnant offenses. This year, um, we haven't had to deal with that as much. We've actually kind of the opposite this year. Exactly, and I think it's going to continue to trend in that direction um, because of the way we've started to use Kellen Grady. Um, we we were at the beginning of the year uh, doing it where basically Ty Ty had the ball in his hands a lot more. We were treating Kellen Grady as a spot up shooter. Um, they're really more effective in opposite roles where Kellen's got the ball in his hand and can create a shot and Tata's a better knockdown shooter. Um, and we've kind of started to implement that a little bit. I want to see Kellen coming off of, of dribble handoffs and coming off of ball screens and being able to make that decision yeah. because you get all in Kellen's hands and get him going downhill towards the basket and you get a, def- uh, a the defender having to choose between taking Kellen away um, taking, taking, you know, his lane away or forcing him to pull up, or he can throw that lob, uh, for the rim run off the ball screen or, or on the weak side, coming down the sideline or the baseline. I mean, um, and it just allows, it makes the game much simpler, honestly, for it. It's, it's, yeah. we have the defense forced in a position where they have to pick their poison. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I feel ability. Like my turn. Go ahead. I feel like Kellen doesn't miss Todd. I mean, uh, as far as offensive rating, I'm just go ahead and tell you this. This is the, the big Kim Palm tease that we dropped a little earlier. Kellen has the second highest offensive rating in the entire country mm-hmm. at 149.6, second best in the country. I'm not sure who one is. Um, conversely, and this is something that really bothers me about the offensive philosophy of uh, Mr. John Calipari, he, Kellen, So Ken Palm ranks their players as far as usage rate. So the Mm -hmm. percentage of possessions that that player is used 
Oscar mm-hmm. is obviously number one. Mm-hmm. He's between 24 and 28% of possessions that Kentucky has on offense. Oscar is being used. And that next category is 20 to 24%. That's Xavier Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Keon, and Dante, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, credit, credit Matt Jones for this stat, by the way. I saw this on her mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, then you go down to 16 to 20%. Those are guys like Davion, Jacob Toppin, Bryce Hopkins. Notice how I haven't said one guy's name yet. Kellen mm-hmm. Gray. He, so this is this is ranked as far as major contributors, and then one tier below is significant, so on and so forth. At the very bottom, at less than 12% of possessions used, sits the nearly invisible category. In Ken Palm's rankings, we have one player in that category, and his name's Kellen Grady. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and, Todd. It drives at the wall. And he leads the country in efficiency. Second best in the entire country, my man. We have got to do a better job of getting this dude looks. Yeah, I think I think we're going to start to implement him a lot more in those dribble handoff situations. I think we'll start to see that uh, find its way into the offense. Um, he's as we move in. shoot right off that handoff, don't you think? Exactly. Yeah. My point is, is when he comes off that dribble handoff, he's either got a pull-up jump shot because they switch the ball screen and the guy's too far down and gives him that look, or I'm sorry, they're, they're hedging, or if they switch it and they come, they're trying to push up against him, then he can dribble. He's going downhill. And if the help comes to take the layup away or the floater away, he throws that lob to the rim run. If they don't, he finishes at the rim. Yeah. And if, if the defense plays its hand perfectly and takes away both of those options, that skip past the tie time, the corner is going to be there um, or, or him slicing through the lane, uh, attacking the basket. And all of those options force the defense to pick one of those three ways. Um, and, you know, when they leave and they, they, they're picking their poison and something can't be covered. And if Kellen's got the ball in his hands, I trust that he'll make the right decision. Um, as far as what to do in those bang bang situations, and he's fantastic at that. He's proven he can do it at this level. He did it at Davidson for years, um, and now he's in a position where he's got the assets and the tools around him to be even more effective um, if he can find himself in that position. So I'm hoping exactly. That we can. Exactly, we can leverage his gravity if we start making teams think about him and teams start to realize how frequently he's touching the ball and how efficient he is with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Suddenly we're able to leverage his gravity and benefit guys like Oscar and Keon and Ty Ty. I really think he, and I've been saying it, I think he's the key to this roster. I agree. I think he started as what could have been an X factor, but at the way that we're playing now and how effective he can be, um, I think he's going to end up being the guy that we have to have um, with the ball in his hand in order to be the biggest offensive threat. Um, again, because of the way that he's able to use his tools around him. Um, so yeah. I'm impressed to start implementing a lot more of that as we move into the SEC. So tomorrow night, uh, seven, I believe. Let me check. I don't want to miss misquote it here. There's a game tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. It's uh, it's yeah on uh, on New Year's Eve because it's uh, we're doing the the jersey retirement for uh, oh. for Coach Smith. So that's uh, only two days between games. I mean, really, really one day. Yeah. Okay. It is at, oh, it's noon. I'm glad I checked that. Yeah. It's good to know. Jeez. Oops. All right. Well, that's, uh, I definitely, I definitely knew that and went and done forgot, but yeah, we got, uh, we got noon game tomorrow. High point coming into Lexington to retire Tubby's Jersey. Um, it's going to be very, very cool. I definitely am going to be there and knew I was going to be there, but I'm glad that I checked the time. 
um, because that would have been really bad. So you might need uh, to get your old ass in bed, buddy. <laughs> I'm getting close, man. I'm running. I'm, I got to get some rest, take some more cough medicine, and uh, get some sleep. And then I got to go down there and do ESPN radio in the morning. You're welcome to join me. Oh yeah, you're in Tennessee. Never I'm mind. In Clarksville, Tennessee, my man. All right. Well, um, that'll about do it for us here. Um, noon tomorrow, uh, high point, and then we kick off SEC play, I believe, on Tuesday. Let me check that too. And that's really the the meat Before, and bones. Tuesday, SEC. LSU, and then we're back. Um, in Lexington next Saturday to host Georgia Severe's old team, um, which should be a pretty cool situation too. So um, it's off to the races, man. We're going to be bang, bang, two games a week. Um, so we'll have plenty to talk about here on seat 14. Um, when we get back, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, stay healthy, wash your hands, uh, do what you need to do to protect those around you and your family. Um, today's episode of seat 14 was brought to you as always by bet river Sportsbook and association with liquid IV hydration multiplier. Dwell CBD and Budweiser King of Beers for the Field of 68. Thank you for listening. I'm Todd Lanter alongside Jordan Barber. And it's not a man purse. It's a satchel. Indiana Jones wears one. Oh, dude. I know this. Oh, no. Go ahead. Tell me. You, you were named earlier in the episode. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Oh, it's Hangover. The Hangover. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Great. All right. Great. Everybody have a beer. Be safe out there. Uh, Take care of everybody as you celebrate uh, bringing in 2022 and hopefully um, things continue to trend in the right direction, both for our basketball team uh, and the world as we deal, continue to deal uh, with this, uh, this health crisis and everything uh, moving forward. So God bless. And we will see you next week. This is C14.